Okay, everybody, sorry for the, <coughs> excuse me, abbreviated uh, Parsha Shmooz. Sorry I couldn't make it last night, uh, but I definitely did want to get something uh, uploaded uh, for you guys uh, so you can listen to Shmooz a little bit uh, while you're, I don't know, cooking for Shabbos, doing the dishes, going shopping, etc. Uh, Parsha's Noach, tremendous Parsha, obviously, uh, super long and super packed. Uh, it definitely deserves more than the, I don't know, 20 or so minutes we're going to give it. Uh, but again, quick recap, as you know already, you guys studied this before, Noah is told to build an ark, there's a flood, the whole thing with the raven and the dove. Uh, again, this is obviously cutting it very short. Uh, Noah leaves the teva, he brings some carbonos, there's a bris, Hashem sends a rainbow, says he's never going to do that again. Noah gets drunk, he gets uh, abused by you know, one of his kids. Uh, there's a list of the 70 nations, a story about Nimrod, uh, Tower of Bavel, and we finish off with the 10 generations of Noach to Avram, about 160 psukim, a very sprawling, uh, long, uh, you know, Parsha. But, uh, you know, a couple of points that we should uh, bring out here uh, in the few minutes that we have. Um, and uh, the first one is immediately, as we obviously have to deal with when you deal with Parsha's Noach, is what to do with Noach. Noach, right, is, is Noach a tzaddik or not? So again, again, some midrashim, some, some gemaras, some rashis that you're probably slightly familiar with already. Again, the pausing starts off, Eliot told us Noach, Noach, ish tzaddik, tamim ayav adorosav. Noach. Noach was a tzaddik. He was tamim, pure, perfect, righteous, however you want to say that, in his generation. And he walked with Hashem. So pretty good, right? Sounds pretty good. Problem is, the Rashi already, as you know, uh, brings the Gemara and Sanhedrin uh, and Medrash, etc., that uh, Rashi's Gemaskal Bidorosav, if you have a Chumash in front of you, that some people seem to say that it wasn't so so great. Some of the rabbis said, you know, Tamim Hayabadorosav, that he was pure and righteous in his generation. So the emphasis is on his generation. So some people say that that's great. That's that's a praiseworthy thing in the sense that if he would have been in another generation that was even more righteous than obviously his terrible Russia-filled infested generation, he would have been even more righteous. That if he had been the door of Shaltzadikim, Ayat Sadik Yosar, he would have been a greater Tzadik. Some people judge him the other way, meaning that the Pazik says that he was righteous in his generation. Right? But if he had been in another generation, it wouldn't have been anything, right? Right? It wouldn't have been thought of as anything. Now, <clears throat> how does Rashi himself seem to seem to hold? Rashi himself seems to imply. A little bit later on, if you if you if you have a chumash, so in, in Perik Zion, Pesach Zion, he seems to be holding, as we'll see in a second. It's just uh, you know you could interpret it differently, but Rashi seems to be holding like the Gnai side, like the negative side. That Noah was not as great of a tzaddik as you know at first glance the, the Pesach seems to make him out to be, because the Pesach says if you look at Pesach Zion, Perik Zion. This is after he's already built the teva; it's already starting to rain. Uh, and Noach and his whole family went into the into the into the teva because of the waters of the Mabul. And Rashi immediately picks up on that, and he says, "Just trying to find it over here." What do you mean, Rashi says? What do you mean because of the waters? What do you mean? I thought Hashem told him build an ark and go into it. Right? No, so the Pazik seems to imply that he went into the to the Teva because of the water, not because Hashem told him. So it says Rashi, Af Noach miktani emuna haya. 
and we'll read it like this, this way, the first way, right? Even Noach was of lesser, of smaller emuna. He believed, and he didn't believe, that the Mabel would come. And he only went into the Teva until he was forced in by the waters. Now, what does that mean? What is it, how could a person be a Mamin and an Eno Mamin? How could you believe and not believe at the same time? Well, just to, first of all, what does that mean? Just to illustrate, you know, someone, let's say someone who smokes, right? Like a smoker knows smoking is bad, but it can't help it, right? Obviously, we're talking before the, the, the physical addiction. Not that he can't help it, but he, you know, he knows it's bad. He's seen the commercials. He sees the warning on the box, but eh. So he believes that it's bad, but he doesn't really believe that it's bad. So that's what we're talking about. That's what we mean when you're a man, 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 and you know, but you don't really know, or you don't really care, or maybe you haven't internalized it, etc. Now, we hear that, and we think, man, how could Noah not believe? What do you mean, mamin veino mamin? Noah didn't believe? What do you mean? Didn't God speak to him, right, and, and told him to build an ark? And Noah went, went through the motions. He built through the ark. He built the ark 120 years. He must have believed something. What do you mean he believed and he didn't believe? How in the world could Noah be like that? And yet, how many of us are exactly like Noah. Right? We believe, but we don't believe that, take your pick, that the Torah is real, that Hashem created the world, that Mashiach is going to come, that there's an Olam Haba. Right? Pick any one of the 13 Animamins. Right? How many of us are true Maminim? And how many of us are really kind of Mamin Veno Mamin? Right? We believe, but we don't believe. Okay, fine, God didn't speak to us directly, but He kind of does, indirectly, Every single day. Okay, if we don't hear the messages, fine. That's that's on us. Maybe some of us are not on the frequency to hear the messages. But lots of things happen in our lives that are a sign from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, right? If uh, and and we just have to be able to be ready to hear it, right? If you're you're trying to look at something inappropriate on the internet, right? different levels of inappropriate. But let's just take whatever example you want. And the Wi-Fi keeps going out, or the page doesn't load, or you're trying to buy tickets to a concert that's probably not the greatest environment, and your credit card keeps on getting declined. Or the website keeps on crashing. Again, every one of us could come up with like five or ten examples of something that just seemed not to work out. And something that seemed to be Minashamayim. Right? These are not seemingly Minashamayim things. These are Minashamayim things. And these are the things where Kosh Parhu speaks to us. Okay, we don't have okay, we don't have the right frequency, we don't have the right Wi-Fi, right, the right channel, whatever metaphor you want to use. So maybe we don't hear it all the time. But yes, Hashem spoke to Noah directly. But Kosh probably speaks to us too, even though it's less direct than Noach. And, and most of us, I would argue, unfortunately, are maminim ve'inu maminim. So before we think that that's so crazy, right, that a person can be mamin ve'inu mamin, I think it requires a lot of introspection because I think a lot of us, perhaps, uh, definitely myself included, fit into that uh, category. Second point that I wanted to point out is that the Kutzkarev, uh, at least it's quoted in the name of the Kutzkarev, reads this Rashi differently in a beautiful way. A beautiful way. Rashi didn't write with commas. I didn't write with punctuation. That came later. That was a much later invention. So if you read it again, the Kutzker Rebbe just moves the comma, and that changes the entire Rashi. And really, it seems, once you read it like this, that Rashi holds that Noah was a tremendous tzaddik. And really, Rashi holds like the first opinion, that uh, it was Dor Shemesh that Noach was uh, a tremendously righteous individual. And what, he, what how you read the Rashi, if you have the text in front of you, is, Af Noach miktane emuna hayamamin. Not miktane emuna haya. Not that Noach was also miktane emuna, that he didn't have emuna, but miktane emuna hayamamin. 
he believed in the people who didn't have Amuna, meaning he believed in the people of his generation. Right? He was given 120 years to build the Teva, right? Because I'll say that that was so the people could do tshuva, so the people could hear, oh yeah, Hashem, why are you building this ark? And they asked him, what are you doing? So he said, and Hashem told me, I'm going to destroy the world because of the sin, etc. So he believed in them, that they would do tshuva, and therefore, continuing on in Rashi, Therefore, Noach didn't believe that the Mabel would come. And therefore, and therefore, he only went into the Teva when the waters forced him in. Meaning, according to this interpretation, that Noach waited to the last absolute, the absolute last second for, for his generation to do tshuva. Right? He believed in them. He thought they were going to do it. And only when he was absolutely forced and looked like he had to face reality and he actually had to go into the Teva. So that's when... Uh, that's what he did. So according to that, beautiful Leland Schloss, according to that reading, it's unbelievable that Noach was such a tzaddik that he really, truly did believe uh, in the people of his generation. Along the same lines, right, Rav Melech, Rav Melech Peter Ben quotes the O of Yisrael, the name of the Zlash of Rebbe, that the word imuna in a different context can mean something a little differently. Meaning that uh, the Pesach says in, uh, in uh, the Megillah, that Mordechai raised Esther because uh, Esther's parents had died. Pazik says, Vayhi omain es hadassah, right? That Mordechai raised Hadassah, which is Esther. He raised her, right? So Emunah is a language of bringing things along, of nurturing them, of raising them, etc. Right? So it says, this is Lashavareba, right? Emunah has a way of bringing things to be. And when a person has complete emuna and bidakana gosh baruchu, that has a, a power to be motzi, a power to create, a power to bring about right, whatever you have emuna in. A person has 100% emuna bidakana that Hashem will give him parnasa, so the parnasa is coming. Right? It's a way of unlocking things in this world. So says Zlashavarev, very beautiful. Noach didn't want to have full emuna that the Mabel would come, because that would bring about help bring about the Mabel. That would be one of the ways to destroy. Uh, quote unquote, the world. So Noah was meaning he obviously believed in what Hashem told him and obviously listened to what Hashem said, but he didn't want to fully, fully, fully believe it because that would be a way of having uh, Emunah and bringing the Mabel into the world, which obviously uh, he didn't want. And it's also similar to what the the, the, the vision in Sarebbe, the first vision in Sarebbe, that Tzadach Tzadik says about the Pasuk of Es Elohim Es Noach, that when Noah walked with Hashem, what do you mean Noah walked with Hashem? Right? What does that mean? So if you pay attention, right, the name of Hashem Right there is Elokim. Right? We know that Elokim is Midas Hadin, as opposed to Hashem, which is Midas Harachimim. So he says, I mean that what? that Noach walked with Elokim, meaning that even during the times of Midas Hadin, right, he was still one with the Gadosh Baruch Hu. He had a Muna and Bitochen that everything would be okay, the Gamzul Tova, uh, and even in that sense, right, he, uh, he you know he, even though things were falling apart around him. Uh, he still was. Uh, he still took care to have Emunah Bitachon uh, in Hashem, uh, and and that was uh, you know that was his great righteousness uh, that was able to save him obviously and build the, the next generation of people. Okay, we'll come back to that a little bit at the end. But I just want to, to point out something that my, actually my wife noticed, and uh, Chazal do uh, put an emphasis on this as well. And there's a strange emphasis on the land being corrupted. Corrupted. If you look in Parag Vav Pazgidal through Gimel. Right, just the beginning of the parsha, right? The second, third, fourth, uh, third, fourth, and fifth pasuk. Right, the pasuk says, just to, to read it off to you, right, the land became 
to uh, destroy it or not destroy it because they hadn't destroyed it yet, but it, it corrupted. Okay, this says the art school. Fine. Okay, Vaytimeli uh, Haaretz Hamas and the land was filled with Hamas. Right. However, you translate that robbery or right? uh, falling apart of society, whatever. Hashem saw that the land was uh, okay, corrupted, whatever, disgusted. Because every piece of every flesh, every meat, every living thing had corrupted its ways on the land. And Hashem said to Noach, The end of all flesh right, has come for me. The land has been filled with Hamas. And I'm destroying the land. It mentions the word Haaretz. It mentions the word land six times in those psukim. And what's with the emphasis of the land? What's what's going on over here? It just uh, that's not. You don't have to refer to the world as Haaretz. Right, the land itself. Like, you could just said, I'm destroying the world, I'm destroying the people, I'm destroying the chayot. What's this emphasis on the land? So, the Rishonim do deal with this, but I thought that this is reminiscent of the end of Parshas Achremos. That the end of Parshas Achremos, Parshas Achremos talks about, at the end, right, we read it on Yom Kippur, talks about all of the immorality, all of the immoral relationships uh, that Hashem tells us not to have. At the end of the Parsha, the end of the Parsha says, just uh, if you have a Chomesh, so it's in Perik Yilches, it talks about uh, what will happen if people actually do right these quote unquote abominable uh, things. So the pasuk says, uh, just a quote pasuk from Dalid, right? Don't become tame through all these forbidden relationships. Uh, because all, through these, uh, these are the things that the Goyim do, that I'm sending away from you, meaning the seven, eight nations that Bnei Israel are going to inherit Eretz Israel from, and the land becomes Tameh, and I'll spit out right, its sin upon it, and the land will spit out its inhabitants. Okay, Hashem tells them not to do the verse again. Because all the people who were living in, in Eretz Yisrael did these immoral things. And the land became Tameh. Do not let the land spit you out if you make it Tameh, if you contaminate it. Like it spit out the nations, or it's going to spit out right, the seven nations right, when you get there. So, the parsha, the Torah there emphasizes the idea of vatitmah aretz, that the land becomes impure. Right? It says twice, says that if this happens in Eretz Yisrael, right, the land becomes tameva, and the land will spit out whatever nation is living on it. The Nitziv says something fascinating in Hamek Dover. He says that even though there are people there who live in the land who are not necessarily evil, but they're just balei taiva. Right? They're just people who can't control themselves. They can't control their desires. They're men of desire. And that animalistic lust gets them kicked out of the land. Again, Puzzle says, just one of the Pesukim I read, he says, meaning that the, the people on the land, all they did that was wrong were these inappropriate and immoral relationships. And, and therefore, and the land became Tame. There's a concept of our actions being Mitame the land. Right? The Gemara says in Shabbos as well, Daflam and Gimel, Right, it says it's not only relevant to Eretz Yisrael. It says Bavon for inappropriate relationships. Golus Olam, exile comes to the world. Right, and the people are exiled, etc. Quotes, quotes that pasuk that I just quoted before. the land became tame and it spits you out, etc. Now, how do I know the people of the Mabul were were guilty of that avera? 
Right? We know they violated Hamas, right? The, they, they stole from one another, right? The story in the Midrashim about kids stealing nuts, less than a Shavu Pruta, right? That caused the whole breakdown of society because you couldn't prosecute, right? If you imagine you're selling nuts, you have, let's say, I don't know, 500 peanuts, and 500 kids come and take one peanut. So what do you do? So no one can sell anything. That's what they were doing. People were stealing less than a Shavu Pruta, right? You can't sell anything and you can't take them to court because what are you going to do? You're going to prosecute 500 kids for less than a penny? They can't even pay you for it. So it caused the breakdown of society. But what about Arayos? So Chazal explained that the Dora Mabel were certainly guilty of that as well. Rashi here quotes uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Daphna Nunzayin, that the word language of Vatisha Chesa Aretz, and the land became corrupted, right, is a language of Arayas. Rashi says over here, Lashon Erva Vavodozara, right, that they were violating these inappropriate relationships. Not only that, but the animals became, were corrupted. Right, Rashi says that that all of the people, uh, all, of the, all of the flesh, all the animals, all the living things had corrupted their nature. He says, The animals were interbreeding. Even a behema were niskakin l'she'en were mating with not that species. Right, again, it's, it's, it's not so hard. I had an eighth grade Rebbe who, who loved to talk about this. Uh, Rabbi Pearl, who's a, a tzaddik atzum, and I still quote him from time to time, that it's not hard to see how a crocodile could mate with an eagle, could mate with an elephant, would lead to a freaking crazy animal like a dinosaur. So it's the concept of transmitting tumma to the land and the environment that you live on, right, is not a new phenomenon. And that's what perhaps what the Pusk is talking about, that the, the sins of the people, right, the chatayim, the fact that they corrupted their lives, corrupted the animals and corrupted the land. And that's why Hashem had to destroy everything, because everything had been corrupted to the point of no return. That's why the Pesach says that Noah took animals and that uh, had not corrupted their ways. But it's a straight-up Pesach that Noah took, Rashi there talks about it, that Noah took animals that had not interbred. Um, and, and so maybe this is why, again, this is why, maybe this is why Kosh Baruch Hu felt compelled to melt, melt off the first three Tfachim, of the land when he brought the Mabel, right? Rashi says that as well, right? That the, the waters were so hot that the ground literally melted uh, through Tzvachim. Maybe Kosh Baruch felt he needed to do something you know, physical, right? To quote-unquote purify the land that had been corrupted. Now, why is this relevant for us, right? For people living in Tinek, L.A., Yerushalayim, whatever, right? Let's say you're planning on, you're living in, I don't know, Tinek, and you're planning on making Aliyah, or moving to Canada, or Florida, or Texas, or whatever. So what do you care about what happens to the land and the environment that you're in right now. Now, okay, that's that might be a little callous and cold-hearted, but more than that, right? Leaving that aside, it trains a person to think bigger picture, right? We're all very focused on ourselves. Kids, for sure. Teens, maybe even more so. Right? The world revolves around them, and that's how they view the. That's how their brain is developed. Right? They're not mature enough to really kind of expand. And think about other people. Usually, uh, you know, the staff and the seminaries and yeshivas and, and and people who live here joke that when the kids come to Israel for the year, they don't even realize that there's an entire country going on around them. Right? It's just them and their seminary or yeshiva experience. And it's not a critique; it's just how human nature is. But when you get a little bit older and you're able to take a step back and realize that there's more to your actions than just your own life, right? you start affecting the environment and the people and the animals and the land even with your actions, right, so your actions start to carry a little bit more weight, right, when you realize that your actions affect you, but your people in the vicinity, your neighborhood, uh, again, with, with nowadays with technology, with internet and phones and stuff, it could be your actions affect, you know, even more people than just your little Daladamas, right, the, the, the friendly neighborhood is a lot bigger nowadays than it used to be, right, but, and even if it, to the point with the land and the animals, right, the spiritual quality of the land, so that's powerful stuff, 
right? That's already crucial to internalize. I mean, that gives a you know person added pause, perhaps uh, if they think you know they they're making having a tough time making the right decisions, right? Perhaps that uh, will give a, someone you know a person a little bit more to think about, um, you know, and, and and perhaps you know help them make a, a better decision. All right, we don't have time to dwell on this last few. Um, I just want to quick a couple of quick hitters over here. Uh, but we talked about Sefer Zvarim being a muster safer. Well, Bracious is also definitely a Muslim safer, uh, maybe even more so. Uh, learning the stories of the Avos, uh, learning from their behavior and the stories that the Torah teaches us. Uh, right? Again, if the Torah chose to record an incident, right, it, it meant to do that for posterity, right, forever, for us to study and learn from it. Um, and therefore, we, you know, we have to really kind of focus on the story of the Mabel. Again, I feel like we, we sell it short because we learned it when we were like five. But, uh, but Hashem, well, we'll get to that in a second. The first thing, the first thing that we should uh, we should point out, I actually heard this on the radio this morning from a, an Israeli singer named Naftali Kempe, who is, happens to be fabulous, by the way. But he says, look at what, again, this is brought down also in the Mercer's Forum, etc. That look at what one man can accomplish, right? The world is going to hell, quite literally, right? One man can save the world, right? So don't sell yourself short. Right? Even if things are crazy all around you, if life is nuts or life is things are going on and if you're, I don't know, if you're paying attention to politics and things are crazy or you're paying attention to sports and your team is in it or, or out of it or if, if you have more difficulties in life right, as opposed to trivial things like that, right? even if things are crazy, you can still succeed and survive and even thrive and quite literally save worlds. Right. I had a, a friend of mine who, uh, who used to say that a person is always faced with a choice to either survive or thrive. And you can thrive in any scenario, even if things are nuts. And Noah, Noah proves that. Right? So don't give up just because, because life is nuts. The second Eitzah that the Muslims farm bring out, I think it's in Sichos uh, Mutzer, but I, I don't remember exactly. Like, again, I apologize. I didn't have really time to, to research these, these last few. Um, is that if your environment is bad, as Nox was, right? And Nox's generation was the worst, right? They got destroyed and, and all around them, mobile, hot boiling water, etc. So if your environment is bad, uh, you got to build yourself a teva to survive it. And nowadays, unfortunately, the environment around us is bad, right? No mistake about it, right? Western culture, all that type of stuff, penetrating our lives from the outside, from the inside, from with the phones and the internet that we have in our house. Now, if we're all going to live like that, and most of us do, right, with the, we need to make sure to take certain precautions. You need to build yourself a teva to protect yourself, right? So for boys, that's the base medrash, right? Being in the base medrash, if you're of that age, obviously, if you're learning in yeshiva, so staying in yeshiva and making sure the daladamos, again, it's much easier to use that symbolism when you're in yeshiva because you just stay in the teva. The base medrash looks like a teva. Four, four walls, a roof, stay in there, learning, spirituality, stay out, stay away from the outside. Right, right. That's, that's the teva. For girls, it's a bit harder because you don't really have that physical box that you can lock yourself in. Uh, there are certainly places to go learn, but it, it's more than, I think it's, this is important for boys as well, but it just hits home for girls more because there's no base matters to run to. Building yourself a teva doesn't mean necessarily a physical space. It's much more than just a physical space. It's your friends, 
how you're spending your time, your leisure, even your chesed, right? Your, or your, your, there's chesed the Shema, and then there's chesed where you know there's going to be a social aspect to it, for example. Right? There's every, every decision you make, the way you live your life, right? the way you spend your time, your friends, etc., there's a concept of building yourself a teva, right? building gedarim, building fences that you can protect yourself from any aspect of the bad environment. I'm not saying you know, going to socialize is bad, I'm just saying that there is an ideal in every aspect of life and where you can put a fence and make sure you're protected from uh, from the bad environment that's around us. Third, uh, and this is where Victor Miller elaborates uh, in this. I saw this uh, a bunch of times in, in his forum, and, and also I think I saw it in the weekly email that he sends that, that he doesn't send out anymore, but that the people who are disseminating his Torah sent out. It, and it's not something that's so PC to talk about nowadays, but it needs to be discussed. Uh, and that is, as I kind of started to allude to before, the model shows us that the concept of scharva onish is very real, right? Think about it. Like, again, we learn these stories from when we're five years old, so it doesn't really hit us as it should. God destroyed the world because of sin. I can't even put it more simply than that. Noach and his fa- family sat in the teva for a year while Hashem melted the world because people decided, you know, their lives went in the wrong direction. Right? Hashem was ve- again. Hashem was very clear about that. Not only in the Torah, He told Noah straight out. Right? Again, we read it before. Hashem told them. The, the people in the world are have sinned. They are corrupted their lives. There is nothing I can do. I'm going to destroy them. Hashem told them. There, again, this is reading this story should make the concept of punishment for wrongdoing real in our minds, right? We don't like to talk about it because people like to be free and just choose and do whatever you want. And obviously, a Baruch Hu punishes by taking all. Uh, extenuating circumstances into account, 100%. Now, it's not supposed to be like Hashem is, you know, going to throw us all into Gehenna forever and ever. No, but the, but the concept of punishment for making the wrong choices exists, right? It caused the world to be destroyed once, right? And I, even though Hashem promised never to do it again, right? He promised never to do it again to the entire world, right? It has certainly happened in small pockets since then. An obvious example, and, and frankly not so small a pocket, is the Holocaust. Rabbi Hanan Wasserman is famous for saying that the Jews in Europe rebelled against Hashem, so Hashem uh, rebelled against them, quote-unquote, or something to that effect. They declared war on Hashem, or Hashem declared war on them, I forget. Is it true? I don't know. I wasn't there. I read it in uh, several Sfarim that quote that. Rabbi Victor, Miller, Rabbi Victor Miller quotes that all the time. That's what he said. I don't know. But... That's a concept of scharva onesh. Again, I'm not saying why it happened. Chas v'shalom. I don't mean to dwell on that point. But there is a concept of small dis- and, and large destructions that Hashem has done since then because of chait. Right? When it was small bits of stru- destruction through natural disasters, especially water, right? like hurricanes and tsunamis, those are supposed to be a message. Right? Those are supposed to be a reminder for us that if you make the wrong choices, chas v'shalom, there is some sort of reckoning that comes at some point. Right. I remember seeing a picture uh, in the media of a rainbow over one of the destroyed harbors in Jersey after Hurricane Sandy, and the caption was, right, a beacon of calm amongst the storm, or something to that effect. And I'm like, bro, you, you clearly did not read Genesis. 
right? Again, that's not that a rainbow over a destroyed harbor because of water. I mean, it really doesn't get more clear than that, right? If you're on the right wavelength, right, you see these messages from Akash Baruch Hu. It's just impossible to read the parsha and actually think about the parsha without getting a serious dose of a wake up call that Akash Baruch Hu destroyed the world because of hate. It's not ambiguous, but people don't want to hear about it. So, Again, again, I I may have been a little bit too harsh in because I'm trying to rush through it and it's Erev Shabbos and it's time to, I got to cook some stuff or whatever. But I did just want to mention it, that it's important to, to realize. Now, yeah, you shouldn't get depressed and you shouldn't get afraid. But there is a concept of making the right choices and being strong and, and realizing that there is a right and wrong. And it's not just a free-for-all uh, in this world. And there is a Rahman al-Salam, no chas a reckoning, right, if people, uh, you know, do choose the wrong, the wrong, make the wrong choices for for an extended period of time. All right, not to leave on that negative, uh, negative devaratora. Um, last, last quick, tiny little vort uh, that Ravigdor Miller points out. Right, it's not all doom and gloom with him. I feel like I, I bring out his most uh, intense or kind of depressing devaratora. He points out a final lesson on an upbeat note, which is the simcha of being alive. Is that when Noach left the teva, he brought korbanos. He was so happy to be alive. He appreciated the gift of life. And that's something that we can do as well. This is something that Victor Miller talks about a ton. Just appreciate the simple beauty of life, of breathing, of enjoying food, of having a wonderful family, of hearing the birds sing, of all this type of stuff. Noach got out of the teva. He brought korbanos. He was so happy that he was alive. Right? It's the greatest gift that Kosh Baruch can give us. And it's up to us to appreciate it. Right, says Ramban, right at the end of Parshas Bo, which we quote all the time, that uh, a person has to know and he has to give thanks to the Kosh Baruch Hu is the one who is taking care of him, right? To recognize and, and be moda uh, to a Kosh Baruch Hu for the tremendous gift. So that's also that's the last. Uh, let's leave on. Let's leave on that note. Uh, it's a tremendous simcha. Have an extra lachaim on Shabbos, right? Be give a little appreciation to Kosh Baruch Hu for uh, you know the amazing world that He has given given us, uh, and have a tremendous Shabbos. And Mitzvah Shem, we will convene live again next week. Uh, until then, have a great Shabbos.